Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life. If you're ready for the Word of God, look at somebody and tell them, I'm ready for the Word of God. Come on. I'm ready for the Word of God. I'm ready for the word of God. Father, we thank you for this great day. We pray that you would speak to our hearts for the next few minutes, God, that you would just change us from the inside out, challenge us. God, bring us to a new level in your life today. God, let our life be your life. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say amen. Let's give our worship team a round of applause in our band. Well, I'm still going to preach a message. Everybody okay with that? I I got a message for you today. And uh, my title today, if you want to take out your Bibles, turn on your applications, your Impact Church app, go to your app store, type in Impact Church AZ if you haven't downloaded it yet. It's free. But my word for you today is God's word for your worries. I want to talk about anxiety for a minute. I want to talk about worry, anxiety, fears. And I want to start by reading Proverbs 12. If you'll look at this with me, the words of Solomon, he said, anxiety weighs down the heart. How many know that to be true? Anxiety, man, it is like a weight on your life. Some of you today, some of you are in this building and you are weighed down because of your anxieties. You are weighed down and you are worried and your life is heavy because of it. I I like to study words and I like to study word history. And one of the interesting things about our English word worry is it comes from an old English word, worrying. It's W O R. I-E-N, worry-N, and worry-N, it means to strangle or to choke. Isn't that so like what worry does? Like worry, it, it attempts to strangle and choke my joy and to strangle and choke the peace out of my life, to strangle and choke the faith out of my life. And if you're not careful, worry, anxiety, the fears in your life, they can wreak havoc on your life so much where they start to control you and you live your life controlled by fear. I want to talk about worry and anxiety because God's word has a lot to say about it. Now, I know that we all deal with worries, but I want to look more specifically at chronic worry, chronic anxiety. It's one thing to have, man, I'm worried about this, but it's another thing. Some of you live in a constant state of worry. And it's hard not to worry because we all worry about everything, right? I mean, I worry about my tomorrow. I worry about my yesterday. I worry about my marriage. I worry about my children. I worry about my church. I worry about my career. I worry about my health. I worry about other people. And we're always in this temptation cycle to divert to our worries. And worry is like a snowball. The more you worry, 
the more you worry. Because the more you focus on the negative, the bigger the negative becomes. The more I focus on my fears, the bigger my fears become. Right? It's like we went through this whole COVID thing over the last couple years and we're still dealing with it. But remember when it first started, how the whole world flipped their minds? Do you remember that? Like we were all going to die. We were all worried sick. There's not, it's not an epidemic. It's a pandemic. It's COVID-19 and we're going to die. We're so worried. What'd we do? We went and bought toilet paper. Like, dude, this is not good. I need some toilet paper. Because if I die, I at least want a clean booty. Because if I die, I at least, like, we are, as a human society, we are absolutely insane. We make no sense at all. And that's what I want to talk about for a minute because I have been in my life in these moments where I'm so worried and I'm so anxious and the logic in my head is absolutely illogical. Like it doesn't make any sense. I've built something up in my mind that has become something that is absolutely nothing. And the worst thing about worry or chronic worry is it is an incredibly damaging right? It can destroy your health. It can destroy your mind. It can destroy your relationships, your marriage, your family. Did you know that chronic worry and anxiety doesn't just affect you? It affects everybody that's close to you, everybody that's close to you. And so I want to give you five things today on how we can apply God's word to our worries. Because I think a lot of times, man, I'm going through so much stress, so much anxiety. I don't know if I can breathe. I can't sleep at night. I can't get myself to fall asleep. I can't stay asleep. And I'm worrying myself sick. And so a lot of times we turn to the things of the world to try to help us with what God's word can already help us with. And so that's what I want to look at today is what can God's word help us with? If you're taking notes, I want you to write number one down. Number one on how to minimize my worries is to remember that God loves and cares for me. God loves and cares for you. Look at somebody and tell them, God loves and cares for you. Come on, tell them like you mean it. God loves and cares for you. God loves and cares for you. I wish I could take that phrase and stick it into the depths of your soul so that you truly believed it. Because when you truly get a hold of the simplicity of this, you know that God loves you enough that no matter what tomorrow brings, it's actually for you and not against you. God loves you and he cares for you. How many of you are parents? Raise your hand. You're a parent today. I want you to know, parents, God loves and cares for your child more than you do. He cares for them more than you do. This can set my mind at ease. Now, I, I want to read to you a passage from Matthew chapter 6 that I am convinced was written for Scottsdale, Arizona 2,000 years ago. I'm pretty sure this was written for us. And I want to read this to you in Matthew 6. Look what it says. These are the words of Jesus himself. He said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body. Or what you will wear. Tell me that's not for Scottsdale, Arizona right now. That's for us. I worry about that same stuff every day. He says, don't worry about 
any of this stuff. He says, is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? The answer is no. And so why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor, they don't spend yet. I tell you that not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and gone tomorrow, he says, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith, so don't worry saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek First, his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Amen. Amen. So, this, this passage is specifically unique for me and special to me because this passage has ministered to my own soul many times in my life. There was a time where about 13 years ago, my wife and I were at another church, a different church. We helped start this other church. We helped build this other church and we had been there 12 and a half years. My oldest daughter at the time was nine. My son was seven and my newest was one. They did not know another church. They didn't know what another church looked like. This is what we raised them in. And I'll never forget that God spoke to my wife and I and confirmed in our heart like a hundred different ways that it was time to resign. It was time to move on. It was time to move on. I had no problems with moving on if that's what God wanted. And I remember saying specifically to God, I'll move on. We'll resign. But what's next? Because doesn't it seem logical that you would know what your next move is before you move away from where you are? I mean, doesn't that seem logical? And so I said, the Lord, I said, you tell me what's next and I'll resign. And I'll never forget. I heard this in my heart and he said, but that wouldn't be faith, would it? And then he led me to this passage. Because I'm like, well, it might not be faith, but I'm human, God. I kind of need to know what you want me to do before I just cut off all livelihood. I have a newborn, kind of need our insurance, but that wouldn't be faith, would it? And he led me to this scripture. And I remember being like, okay, this is exactly what I needed for God to just kind of get me over the edge, right? He pushed me, pushed me, pushed me, but he knew I was not going to jump unless he gave me another push over the edge. That's what this is. He's saying to you today, listen, don't worry about tomorrow. I already got tomorrow figured out and tomorrow is for you. It's not against you. I want to read to you another verse in Philippians 4.19. Look at this with me. In fact, let's read this one out loud together. Ready? Here we go. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Okay. My God. My God. Let's read that verse. Leave it up there for a minute. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Okay. Now. My son and I were talking this last week, Josiah, and he was saying, Dad, isn't it weird how you can take a sentence 
one sentence and you can emphasize one word inside of the sentence and it like changes the whole meaning of the sentence. And, and I said, man, that is weird. It's actually a tactic that we used to use in Bible school for memorizing scripture. Because I can take one word and it changes the dynamics of that, that sentence. So, so, so let's try it with this verse right here. Because this verse says, but my God shall supply all your needs. But what if we emphasize the first word? But, right? But my God shall supply. But, in other words, I'm going through something. But my God shall supply. I'm in some trouble. But my God shall supply. My marriage is having some difficult. But my God. I've been given a bad bill of health. But my God shall supply all my needs. Now, now let's move on. He says, but my God, and we're going to emphasize the my because that makes it personal, doesn't it? This is about my God. This is my, but my God, this God right here, he's mine. The one who died for me, the one who gave his life, but my God, the one who says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, but my God, the one that says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, but my God, my, my God, right? My God. That just gives me this, like, he is, he is invincible. He is almighty. He has never lost a battle. This is my God. This is my God shall. In other words, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It is already done. It is going, he shall supply all. Know what that means? That means my emotional, my physical, my mental, my spiritual, my financial, my relational. He shall supply all, all my need, all my needs. What he didn't say is all my, he didn't say all my greeds or wants. He didn't say all my, he said all my needs. Then you, you play this thing out. And I love this part right here. He says, according to his Riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Because let me tell you something. I said it in our prayer earlier. Did you know that God is all you need in this life? He's all you need. God is all you need. And this scripture speaks so loud to us, doesn't it? For my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and his glory in Christ Jesus. So why, if God is our provider, if God is going to see us through, he's going to provide in every way, shape, or form, why do we worry so much? Why do we deal with so much fear and anxiety? Listen, when we worry we have lost sight of God's promise for our life. See, when I worry, I'm trying to take the matter into my own hands instead of leave it in his hands. If I worry, I'm taking the situation into my... Listen, did you know that God is not only our source, but he's our resource? That God's unlimited resources are at our disposal? Do you remember the Lord's prayer? He said, give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. What does that mean? It means... He is our meter of all of our needs. He is our, his daily bread is his word for our life. It's his presence 
for our life. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, let's move on. Number two. Number two. God's word for my worries is to the, number two, remember that God is always with me. I had three amens and you guys are going to get this. This is for you three. This is for you three. The other 1,500 of you, you can go away for a minute. Do something on your phone, but this is for you three. My favorite Psalm, and I've told you this, my favorite, it's actually my favorite passage in the Bible is Psalm 23. I'm including you in the three for the yes, amen. Three plus you. Three plus Didi. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. Wait, what? The Lord is my what? Shepherd. How? The shepherd. If the Lord is my shepherd, that, does that even make sense? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why does that even make sense? Because David wrote this. And before David became king, David was a shepherd. David took care of his daddy's sheep. So now David is writing and he's saying, you know what? I've been a shepherd my whole life, but the Lord is my shepherd. God is my shepherd because you know, a shepherd takes care of his sheep. And by the way, Jesus himself called us sheep, which is not a compliment. You understand that, right? It's not a compliment. Sheep are utterly stupid. They, they need a shepherd. Like they, they, they have knees and they don't use them. They just like, man, like it's like their gangster walk or something. You know, it's like, I don't need to use them. You got knees, bro. I don't need to use them though. Look, I still move just fine. You know, human, you got a brain. I don't need to use it. I'm fine. You know, that sheep just fought fo- they, they, they're content following the butt in front of them. True story. One sheep. Falls off the cliff. It's like, man, here we go, man. Just follow, just follow the crack in front of you. Listen, if some of you would get rid of the buttholes in your life, your entire life would change. Your entire life would, but no, no, I gotta just, man, just follow this butthole. I'm gonna follow this crack. I don't even care what they do. I don't even care where they go. I don't even care what they believe. I don't care what they think. I don't care how they treat me. I don't care how they abuse me. I don't care how they demean me. I don't care. I'm just going to fall off the cliff and die. (laughs) Welcome to Impact Church, everybody. I'm glad you're here today. You know, they can't clean themselves. They can't. They have to have a shepherd clean them and shear them. And it's for their own good. You know, it's like sheep are not bright. They're susceptible. They tend to wander because they're just looking down, you know, and they just go directionless. And, you know, a shepherd has a shepherd's staff. It's not to look cool. You know what I'm saying? It's like, look at this big stick with a hook on the end. It's like, aren't I cool? It's not, it's just the sheep fall down. You can flip that thing upside down and help the sheep up, right? And Jesus said, you are my sheep. This is what I love about this Psalm is he starts, he says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Let's continue on. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And then he says, and yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? 
because you are with me. That's what we're talking about. God is with me, so I don't have to be afraid. God is with me, so I don't have to be worried about this situation. He's with me. He can handle this situation. I don't need to even think about it. God is with me, so God, do what you do. Do God type stuff. I'm going to get out the way, and I'm going to let you do what you do. You are with me. Now, I, I, I want to I share another verse because the context is incredible here. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, in verse 8. Jesus, God is having this conversation with Moses. Now imagine being Moses, you, you've been leading the Israelites, you let them out of slavery in Egypt, and you're, you're headed towards a promised land. And, and, then, and then God's having this conversation with Moses. Moses is at the end of his life, and he goes, Moses, you know, you're not going to take everybody into the promised land. You, you need to appoint Joshua, your successor. He's going to lead, you're going to die, you're too old. And so then Moses goes to his people and he, and he says, look, he's like, everybody listen up. I'm trying to say something. He's like, God told me I'm not going into the promised land, but y'all you're going, I'm just not going. I'm 120 years old and I'm too old. Your new successor is Joshua. Now, I don't know about you, but if Moses has been my leader for, you know, 40 years or whatever, I'm probably like, yo, who's the new dude? Like, I don't know. Like, can he even, like, who? Does he even have the pedigree? Let me see his degree. Did he go to college? Did he go to the university? Did he go to Ivy League school? Like, give me some stuff on this guy, right? And God knows that not only Joshua, but the Israelites are afraid. I don't know what's on the other side of the Jordan River. I don't know what's on the other side to get to the promised land. I don't know what danger lies over there. I don't know. So listen to this verse. Listen to this verse. I love this verse in Deuteronomy 31, 8. Let's read it together. Here we go. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Okay. Now there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. The Lord goes before you. He will be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. There's a lot. There's like 15 sermons inside this one verse. But I want to take you down one direction. Okay? He says, the Lord himself goes before you. I know God's with me. We just read that in Psalm 23. For God is with you. Even though I go through the valleys of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. God is with me. But here he says, not only is God with you, but he says, God goes before you. God goes before you. Don't be afraid because God is going to go before you. I love this. I love this. I want you to look at somebody right now that you came to church with. Look at them and say, you go first. (laughs) Hey, y'all remember when you were kids and you're about to do something scary? Right? And you said, you go first. And then if your homie came out alive, you were like, okay, I'll do it. He lived. She lived. I'm good. You go first. If you do it, I'll do it. But you go first. Hey, that changes everything. You go first. Have you ever come home, those of you that have a garage, and you come home, have you ever... You come home and the garage door's wide open. Raise your hand. That's happened to you in your life before. Maybe it's just me. I come home and I'm, we're like, whoops. 
one of two things happened. We have been robbed or we left the garage door open. It doesn't matter which thing happened. My wife says, you go first. You need to go check the whole house, boy. You need, I, hey, and my wife ain't playing. You check the closets, you check under the bed, you check on top of the house, you check the backyard. And then I go check everything and I come back out and I go, we're good. You can come in now. That's what a man should do for their family. Say, say, remember Nehemiah in the Old Testament? Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. You know what a cupbearer was? You drank the drink before the king drank the drink. You know why? In case it was poisonous. You're like, you die first. You try it. If it's good, I'll drink it. Right? My wife's like, you go first. Just in case you die, you go first. I love this. God goes before you. God's already gone where you're about to go. God's already five years from now. God's already next month. God's already on the other side of that fear that you're looking at saying, man, I don't know what's on the other side. God says, I'm already over here. It's all right. Come on through. I'm already here. Woo. Woo. Man, I might have to keep going. Appreciate that. Thank you. Let's look at number three. This one, this one's even better. Number three, if you want to minimize, you want to minimize the anxiety in your life. Y'all ready for this? Okay, here we go. Three of you. Here we go. Same three. Because, because I think sometimes we're like, you know what? I need to get on some drugs. And I get that, man. We're human. And there might be times where we need to be on you know, something to help us just keep our sanity for a season or a moment. I'm not knocking any of that. I'm not knocking medicine. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you there's also answers in the word. There's also answers in the word. And I just feel like sometimes we go to the word last. So here's one for you. You want to minimize, minimize anxieties in your life. Number three, well then align your life with God's word. Okay. I said this last week. And, and I just, I, I had to say it again. I had to say it again. Sometimes you think you're dealing with anxiety, but you're really dealing with conviction. Sometimes you think you're dealing with anxiety, but the Holy Spirit's trying to deal with you. And so as I get inside of God's word, it minimizes. I, I'm just telling you, if you're here today, and you're married, and you're cheating on your spouse. <laughs> Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> that would be so crazy if you did. I would be like, oh, Lord Jesus. Shoo. Please stand up. Please stand up. And you wonder why you're stressed all the time. Well, I hope she don't find out. Hope she don't find out. Hope she don't find out. Hope he don't find out. Hope he don't find out. Hope my son doesn't find out. Hope my family doesn't find out. But I love two people at one time. Surely that's possible, right? I mean, if you get outside of the, every time in my life, every time, 
Every time I get outside of God's will, I bring anxiety on my own life. Every time. Every time. And then we're just like, oh, God, give me your peace that surpasses all understanding. It will guard my heart, my mind in Christ Jesus. I'm praying Philippians 4 over my life. And he's like, get right with me. Get right with me. Get right with me. Get right with me. Align with me. Walk in my word. Walk in my truth. Walk in my ways. I, I want to read Proverbs. This is what Solomon said in ten nine. He said, whoever walks in integrity walks what? securely whoever walks in integrity walks securely but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out it's not if it's when okay i love proverbs 3 5 and 6 you've heard this you might have memorized it you've definitely seen it on like instagram or something but i i want to read this because this is this is just there's a part of this i think we often overlook. So we're going to look at it. But this is what he says. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. He says, lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. Okay, so let, let, let's dig into this for a second. We like to say, trust in the Lord with all your heart, brother. Lean not on your own understanding. And that is true. Don't trust in your own self because your own self is not trustworthy. Don't trust in your own thinking because your own thinking is not trustworthy. This is why the Bible says in the book of Ezekiel that the heart is deceitful and beyond cure. The heart deceives us. This is why last week I preached from Proverbs 4 that said, Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Where your heart goes, your whole life goes. Right? So, so think about this for a minute. Trust in your heart, lean not on your understanding. That is true. But let's, let's look at this next part. In all your ways, submit to him. In all your ways, submit to him. This is part of it. That I align with God's word. I align, I want less worry. I want more faith and less fear. Align with God's word in all your ways, not some of your ways, not a few of your ways, not even most of your ways. In all of your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. In all your ways, it's almost like Walking in God's will was like a really great anxiety pill. I, I just, what are you saying? I just need to walk out in God's truth? Yes. That's what I'm saying. I just need to walk in what God teaches me is true. And the worries of my life will minimize. They will minimize I find this interesting way back in Genesis. Remember when God created the heavens and the earth, then he created Adam and Eve. And, 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 and this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that when God created Adam and Eve, it says in Genesis two twenty five, it says they were naked and not ashamed. Okay. Stay with me for a minute. They were naked and not ashamed. 
In the original garden of Eden, it is perfect. It is pure. God puts Adam and Eve and he says, look, all this is for you. Eat of anything that you want. Just don't eat from one tree, man. One. That's it. The tree of knowledge and wisdom. Don't eat of that or you will die. What's the woman do? Since it's Father's Day, I would like to point out the fact. <laughs> one tree. What? Why, as humans, do we go, and there's all this goodness, but that one bad thing, that one thing I was told not to do, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do it. Like, is that not like sum up humanity? The one freaking thing, one thing he says, don't do. And then the devil comes along and he starts going, oh no, Eve, it's fine. It's not that you'll die. It's that you'll have all the wisdom and all the knowledge that God has. It's not that you'll die. God's exaggerating to keep you from doing it. But if you eat of it, you'll know everything that God knows. Deceit, right? Because I've been saying this for a few weeks. Deceit feels like truth, Someone deceived doesn't know that they're deceived. That's the whole point. You know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe that actually is good for me. And the Bible says that she ate of it and then she takes it to her man. And she's like, this is really good. He's like, really? Because I'm just telling you right now, a woman convince a man to do anything in the whole world. You're like, I would have never done that. But look at you. You're so beautiful. You're so fine. (laughs) Whatever you want, babe. Whatever you want. And then they both. Okay. Now, this is what I'm getting at. This is what I'm getting at. In verse 6 of Genesis 2, it says, The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. And its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Verse seven, verse seven. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed Gucci fig leaves together (laughs) to cover themselves. Could have been Prada. I don't know. It's one of them. What happened? What happened? What happened? What happened was they walked outside of the will of God and now all of a sudden they started feeling some sort of way. Man, I wasn't in shame. Whoa! I'm filled with shame now. I shouldn't look like this. Why? Because the purity of what God created has now been perverted and corrupted. And when God said, surely you will die, they didn't die a physical death. They died a spiritual death. And that's why the New Testament says Jesus had to come to fulfill that moment in the timeline of the fall of man. Now listen, at that moment, 
their eyes were open and suddenly they felt shame and nakedness. Again, sometimes the fears that we deal with, the anxieties that we deal with, and the worries that we deal with are really the convicting power, the Holy Spirit trying to show us something in our lives. Let's look at number four. Four and five go together. Number four, instead of panicking, pray. Pray. Psalm 55, 22, it says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And he will never let the righteous be shaken. So I cast my burdens. I cast my burdens. Now, it's important to understand there are two concepts that go hand in hand. Okay. Worry is married to control. When I can't control something, I start to worry. The more I want to control, the more I worry. I have a question. Is anybody to be super honest? You're in church. If you lie, you die and you fry. So you have to be honest. Would you say you tend to be a control freak? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. If somebody's next to you and they're a control freak and they didn't raise their hand, point at them. Come on, point at them. Point at them because sometimes we don't know this about ourselves. So I got a word. I got a word for all my control freaks. I got a word for you, for all my control freaks. Did you know that you've never been in control of anything for a single moment in your entire life? Ever. Never. You you, you think you're controlling something. You're not. And and here's the thing about control freak. The more you try to control, the more God lets your life spin out of control because God wants you to know the only one that's in control is God. He is in control. And so you're not in control anyway. And I've learned this about people who are control freaks. I've learned this. You worry more than the rest of us. And what God has a funny sense of humor, he puts control freaks to people who don't give a crap about anything, right? He's like, we married each other. It's almost God's sense of humor. He's in heaven and he's like, Moses, watch this. I'm going to bring these two people together. We got free entertainment for about 50 years. This is going to be fun times right here, right? Because it's like, bro, don't you care? You're not worried about, and this is me. No, it's like, you'd probably let your kids go run around on the freeway. Probably. I mean, I mean, is God in control or not? I mean, and this is a fine line between like stupidity and being a responsible man and trusting God. But this is one thing I want to say is that the more you try to control anything in your life, the more worry you're going to feel, the more stress, the more, more anxiety. Look at what Philippians four says. We're going to read this in verses six and seven. He says, don't worry about anything. What do you say not to worry about? 
anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Another translation says, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It will guard your heart and it will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Say it again. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. This goes with number five. Look at it with me. Instead of worrying, worship, worship. I'm going to tell you why this works. Worship is focused thinking about God. Okay. Worship is, you ever notice you come in Sunday morning and we sing songs together and like in that moment for me, Nothing feels better than that moment. Nothing in the whole week. Nothing feels better than coming together in worship. If you're stressing out, you ought to be here tonight because tonight it is on. We are going to worship our faces off tonight. And yeah, Andy's going to do some little boom, but we're going to worship Jesus. And Worship, when we come together and we start singing songs about the power of God, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, my faith starts to rise. And it's in those moments where I start to really focus on who God is and I start to focus on what God can do and not on my situation. Listen, worry is focusing about me. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about my finances. I'm worried about my career. I'm worried about my marriage. I'm worried about my child. I'm worried about my brother, my sister. I'm, I'm worried is focused thinking on me. Worship is taking that focus off of me and putting it on God Almighty. God, I'm refocusing. I'm refocusing. I'm refocusing. This is the power of worship. Now, the other thing about worship is that you feel God's presence. Sometimes people are like, Oh, I just got goosebumps during the music. I don't know why. You think we hit the goosebump chord? <laughs> Here you go, it's the goosebump chord. Like, it's the power of God. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of Have you ever been have you ever been in worship? And you, you didn't even feel like you got anything wrong with you. You're fine. And you start to weep. Anybody? Raise your hand. Like, man, I'm in work and I'm crying. 
So brought my homie for the first time. They're looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm just crying. You know, a few weeks ago, I came out here on stage and I dropped to a knee. And I was, how many were here for that? Let me see. Are we here for that? And I'm, I'm worshiping and I'm crying. And the whole church is like, my God, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with me is God is just powerful, man. He moves and it moves me. He moves and it moves me. Now I know there's a lot of you. Hey, it's Father's Day. Let me talk to you men. I'm not going to cry. (laughs) What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? You know, we're, we're emotional, right? You know that humans are emotional. We're so, men, for crying out loud, cry. It's all right to cry. It's all right to express your emotions. God forbid you come in church and clap. I shall never clap. I'm a man. Like, what? Who raised you? What? So worship reorients everything about my life. I don't have to come to church to worship. Imagine if you could take that moment that I'm talking about, that moment, and imagine it wasn't every seven days. Imagine you take that moment with you. And you take it out into the world and you take it into your car and you take it into the workplace and you take it into your marriage and you take it into your fathering and you take it into your mothering and you take it into every situation. That is what God wants for us. That's why the scripture says in Romans 12, one, he says, it's not on the screens, but I'm going to tell it to you. He says, he says that your body should be a living Sacrifice. Present your body, that's what he says, Romans 12, 1, as a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable to God. He says, This is your true act of worship. What? Wait, what's my true act? Oh, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Clapping in church, spinning. Nope. That's a part of it. What is true worship? Presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Careful, not just sacrifice. You don't go out and kill yourself today. You know what I'm saying? It's a living sacrifice. What is true worship? Presenting myself as a living. What does that even mean? It means I surrender to my worries, my fears, my guilt, my doubt, my shame, my selfishness. And I surrender my life over to the power of God's will. A living sacrifice is our our true worship. Now, I just want to draw one more thing about this. I want to read this to you. Look what he says. In Psalm 56, verses 3 through 5. These are the words of David. He said, but in the day that I'm afraid, I lay all my fears before you. And I trust you with all my heart. What harm can a man bring to me? With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. The roaring praises of God fill my heart. And I will always triumph as I trust his promises. You know, I like this because he started off with this. He started off saying, but in that day that I'm afraid, 
in that day that I'm afraid. But then he ended it with the roaring praises of God fill my heart. So I could trade my worries for worship. Refocus away from me and toward God. I want you to stand to your feet with me, Impact Church. Would you stand up to your feet? Would you do me a favor? Would you just close your eyes with me for a minute? And Father, we just come before you on this great day, Father's Day 2022, Lord. And God, we want to say happy Father's Day to you, our Heavenly Father, our Abba Father. God, we are grateful that you love us more than we love us, that you care for us more than we care for us. God, that you see tomorrow, you see next week, you see next year, you see 10 years from now, you see a thousand years from now. God, you have no timeline. You are time. You created time. So God, we come together in your presence. And Lord, I just pray for anybody that they've been dealing with worries, fears, anxieties. And Lord, today we we do exactly what you say. We cast our burdens onto you because you care for us. God, you take this. You carry this weight. We're done. We're done. We lay it at your feet today. And God, whatever happens, happens. And we trust you. We trust you with the outcome. We trust you with the result. We trust you with the rest of the story. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you say, man, I, you know what? I don't even know if I am a Christian. Listen, today, I, I want to encourage you to take a step of faith in your own life. That first step, sometimes it's the hardest. That first step, just say, Jesus, today, I give you my life. I acknowledge you as my Lord, as my Savior. And I surrender my life to you. Today, God, I present my body as a living sacrifice. God, I want to worship you. I want to worship you. Let my life be a worship unto you. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we pray for tonight. God, we pray that the presence and the power of almighty God is so thick in this place tonight that you change lives, that you change marriages, that you change families. God, that you open doors. God, we pray for a powerful, powerful night tonight as we worship you. God, we love you. And we pray this in Jesus name. Impact Church, we all say Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.